Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Risk, and I'm part of the ministry team here at Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. Uh, we're continuing our series today in the book of Ruth, looking at Ruth chapter 2. Uh, could you please have your Bibles open to today's passage? Or alternatively, if you have our church newsletter, our corner post, uh, please that, have that open in front of you. I'll be reading our passage out for us now. That's Ruth chapter 2, and this is God's Word. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging, belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have a standing of one of your, one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth had also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. 
The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can continue our series in the book of Ruth. Father, we pray, Lord, that as we look at Ruth chapter 2, that you would be with us. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, uh, teach us from your word and be with us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, it was at church, uh, not this church, I might add, but it was at a different church. And during the church service, while the, the songs were beginning to play, a stranger walked in. An unfamiliar gentleman walked into church and he took a seat. Uh, he wasn't dressed for church in the way that one would normally expect one to be dressed. Uh, he wore shabby shorts, uh, ripped t-shirts, he was in thongs, uh, he reeked of nicotine. Uh, he had needle streaks across his arms and bruises on his legs. Uh, he was obviously struggling. And you could see by his face, you could see by his body language that he was struggling to fit in. And as he stood while those songs played, uh, he hoped that he could just disappear into the background and that he would disappear from the onlookers around him. Uh, the story continues that a guy, different guy now, walked up to one of the elders that were in the, in the back of the church. And this guy said to the elder, uh, do you see that gentleman over there? Do you see that guy over there? The elder replied with a concern, yes, I see him. Uh, is everything okay? Uh, the guy said to the elder, that man over there is distracting me from my worship. Do you want me to go over there, set him straight in how one should dress, one should behave in our church? Uh, the elder said sternly to this guy, I don't want you going anywhere near him. Uh, in this story, the elder knew better. He knew that church was not a place where people all look the same and all sound the same and all dress the same. A church is a place for those who are different, a place for those who are broken, a place for those looking for hope. The elder knew that the church was a place for this awkward-looking gentleman that had walked through their doors. And this is not an uncommon story. And unfortunately, it can happen fairly frequently. Whether at work, at school, at university, or some sort of social gathering that we may attend, we may find ourselves looking at a person walking through the doors coming in onto the scene, perhaps trying to be as discreet as possible, trying hopefully not to be noticed, not to make a ruckus. However, the crowd of onlookers see them. They think to themselves, they don't belong here. And they think even further, 
Actually, it's perhaps it's best if they leave. In sad cases, people will be shunned in leaving an event. And it can be a sad thing to happen. It can be even sadder when this type of thing happens in a church. When someone who is seeking, when someone is desperately wanting to know more about Jesus is not met with kindness, but is met with shunning. Our kindness is something we need to be reminded of often. And kindness is a theme that we see in our passage today as we look at Ruth chapter 2. In our passage today, we see exceeding kindness shown to a foreigner. We see exceeding kindness shown to a widow. We see exceeding kindness shown to Ruth, the Moabite. And as we look at our passage today from Ruth chapter 2, I want us to notice three things. First, expected kindness. Second, expressing kindness. And third, exceptional kindness. Let's have a look at that first thing that we should notice, expected kindness, and looking now at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and, one and 2 say, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. At verse 1, we are introduced to a character that will play a significant role in both the life of Ruth and Naomi. Uh, this man's name is Boaz, and we, we are told at verse 1 that he is a relative of Naomi. However, I don't want to focus so much at verse 1. I want to focus on verse 2. Verse 2, what are we told? We are told that Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. But did you notice? Did you notice how the author refers to Ruth? Not Ruth, the daughter of Naomi, but how? Ruth the Moabite. Here in this chapter, the author wants us to know that Ruth is not a Jew. She is a foreigner. Something the author says quite explicitly in verse 6, when the overseer says, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. In verse 10, Ruth even refers to herself as the foreigner. And in verse 21, we also see again the author saying, Ruth the Moabite. The author wants us to know that Ruth is different. And we can assume that Ruth would have looked different to the Jews around her. Or we can make this assumption because Ruth would have had a different diet to the Jews. The Jews were kosher. They had prescribed laws in what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. The Moabs did not have these rules. So even though a close neighbor in terms of land, only living perhaps 50 kilometers away, because of her diet, Ruth might have looked different. As she may have also sounded different from the Jews. If there was a common tongue that was spoken, Ruth might have sounded different to the Jews around her. I don't know if we notice this much here in Australia. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But distance can change how people speak. I noticed this when I lived in Germany for a year, that those who lived in the northern part of Germany 
sounded different to those that lived in the southern part. So Ruth may have sounded different to those around her. She may have looked different to those around her. People would see her, and they would see someone different. They would see a foreigner. And then in verse 2, Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi what she wants to do, that she wants to go into someone's field and to pick up the leftover grain. Uh, the process that now, uh, Ruth wants to do is called gleaning. A gleaning happened towards the end um, of the harvesting process. Uh, when harvesting grain, it was a three-part process. Uh, first, it was typically men who would cut the grain stalks with either sides or sickles and then pile them up and place them along the edge. Uh, the women would then come and then typically tie up these reaped grain into bundles ready to be transported to the threshing floor. Uh, the third step then is gleaning or gathering the grain stalks left behind. This is what Ruth would have been doing. She would have been following after the men, after the women, perhaps at some distance, and collecting that which was left over. Uh, during the harvesting process, there would have been stalks that were missed. Uh, this is, would definitely would have happened around the edges, or stalks that were dropped as they were piled, tied, and transported. And this is what she would have been collecting as, um, as she gleaned. But the question is, why was Ruth allowed to do this? Uh, this wasn't her field. Well, Ruth was allowed to do this because God had made allowances for her to do this. In the Old Testament, God had said that kindness ought to be shown to the poor and the foreigner. Uh, this is what it says in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land... Do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Our friends, this was an expected kindness that, you, that one would, should expect to receive if they were poor or a foreigner. And in Ruth's case, she ticks both boxes. A God had mandated in his law that certain kindness be given from God's people to others. And we see this all the time, don't we? We see expected kindness prescribed in our laws or in policies. When I go to a checkout after I have my groceries, someone will scan my items and pack my shopping bags for me. Or when I go to a zebra crossing, I expect that cars will stop and that I will be able to cross with relative safety. Now, these are acts of kindnesses that we expect to see in our society. They are acts of kindness that have been prescribed or mandated. And from our passage, I want us to notice the kindness that God is showing Ruth through the prescribed laws and commands which he has given to his people and how they should treat the foreigner. However, in Ruth's case, in Ruth's case, God is subtly and quietly at work in other ways. For Ruth just happens to be in Boaz's field. And Ruth just happens to be in Boaz's field when Boaz visits. And the author wants us to notice that God is providing a turning point of hope to this family through Boaz. 
And this is why the author mentions in both verse 1 and 3 that Boaz is a relative of Naomi, perhaps anticipating a future storyline that will unfold in chapters 3 and 4. It's also here at the arrival of Boaz that kindness towards Ruth changes from expected kindness, the opportunities that Ruth would have hoped to receive as a foreigner being able to glean in someone's field, to kindness expressed towards her in ways that she did not anticipate. And this leads us to our second point, the expressed kindness, expressing kindness. Look at verse 8 with me. At verse 8, Boaz comes to Ruth, a man of integrity and, and standing, and he comes to Ruth, a Moabite, and look what he says to her. Verse 8 and 9. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Our friends, let's just highlight some of the things Boaz has just said to Ruth. He has told Ruth from his own lips that you can glean here. You have permission to glean and work in this field. And don't work at a distance, but work closely. Follow behind the women who are working for me. Perhaps Boaz is saying at this point, I want you to feel as if you belong. I want you to have some sort of protection. And look, he's also said to the men, he's told the men, don't lay a hand on her. Uh, this would have been comforting words for Ruth. A single woman in a stranger's field being offered permission to glean, but also protection. And he says to her also, if you're thirsty, help yourself to a drink. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine if you were Ruth and the man of the estate came directly towards you and he actually spoke with you? And he didn't just say hi or just say some pleasant thing. But he spoke with you and showed you kindness as he spoke. It would be like Scott Morrison coming to the secretary of Eric Abed's office, recognizing who they are and showing kindness to them with the sole purpose of making their work more enjoyable, their work more easier. It would be experiencing kindness that we wouldn't expect to see. It's almost a kindness that gives us an uneasy feeling. And that's how Ruth reacts. She feels uneasy about the kindness that has been expressed to her. Look how she responds in verse 10 to Boaz. She says, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? A foreigner. A being able to glean in the fields is a kindness that Ruth the Moabite would have hoped for. And if she had found favor in someone's eyes, a kindness that she could expect to receive. But this, uh, this is almost too much for her. But then here comes the reply from Boaz. Boaz says, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
Boaz almost says to Ruth, I am showing you kindness because of the kindness you have shown to Naomi. May the Lord bless you. May you find refuge under his wings. And the Lord does bless Ruth, doesn't he? And we see this blessing first and foremost expressed through Boaz to Ruth. Our God uses this faithful Jew, Boaz, to show what it means to be under the care and protection of God. I look at the kindness shown by Boaz to Ruth, a permission to glean, protection from unwanted physical advances, provision of water, food, and even extra grain. And so much grain that we read at verse 17, when evening came and once Ruth had threshed the barley she had gathered, it had mounted to about an ephah of grain. And an ephah is about 13 kilograms, or enough grain to feed two women for about two weeks. Uh, Ruth might have gone out earlier that day, hoping to collect enough food for both her and Naomi. Perhaps enough food for that day. Uh, but she is about to return home. She is about to return to Naomi with not a small amount of grain, but her arms full and heavy. Uh, this kindness expressed by Boaz would have been more than both Ruth and Naomi would have expected after a day's work. At verse 18, Ruth returns to Naomi with enough food for two weeks and even some leftover grain that Ruth had eaten during lunchtime. Naomi would have been shocked as she would have been astounded at what Ruth had just brought home, that her arms are filled and heavy. I can almost imagine her babbling in disbelief when she says, where, where, where did you glean today? Where, where, where did you work? Blessed, a blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ruth replies, I was gleaning in a field owned by an, a man named Boaz. Naomi says then at verse 20, the Lord bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and to the dead. She added that this man is a close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And when Naomi talks about the living, she is talking about herself and Ruth. And when she is talking about the dead, she is referring to her husbands, her husband and her sons who have passed away. She is saying that this man is continuing to show kindness to the living and to the dead. And then she adds, this man is one of our guardian redeemers. A guardian redeemer was a close relative who was responsible for getting a family member or family members out of trouble when they fell on hard times. And Naomi could be saying, he is helping us now in our time of need. But she may also be foreshadowing how the Lord may rescue them from their plight through a guardian redeemer. But that's a story for next week. Today we have seen great kindness shown to both Ruth and Naomi. Boaz has provided enough food for them for a couple weeks. And he could say at this point that his duties as a close relative have been done. But he continues to show even greater kindness. And this leads us to our third point. Point number three, exceptional 
kindness. Look at verse 21 to 23 with me. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. The kindness of Boaz does not cease. And we read that he now shows exceptional kindness towards Ruth and Naomi. Uh, He could have said to Ruth, tomorrow, go to someone else's field. I've shown you enough kindness already. But he says, keep gleaning in my fields until the harvest is finished. And Naomi sees this kindness given to Ruth not only in just in great provision, but of great protection. Uh, This same kindness may not be shown if she was in someone else's field. In another field, Ruth may receive unwanted advances from men. And who would be there to protect her? She has no husband, no father, no brother. Who would come to her aid? Do we see the exceptional kindness given by Boaz to Ruth? And even more than that, I want us to notice the final verse, friends. I want us to notice verse 23 where it says that Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. Ruth was given an opportunity to glean in the fields of Boaz for two months. The month of harvesting barley was in April and the month of harvesting wheat fell in May. So Ruth was allowed to glean, was allowed to gather grain for two months. Uh, We aren't told how much food she might have gleaned in those two months. But perhaps we could assume there would be enough food for perhaps a year. And maybe even perhaps some left over to sell and trade with. It could be perhaps from this leftover grain that Ruth was able to buy clothes and perfume, which we read about in chapter 3, verse 3. We see from our passage Boaz's exceptional kindness and that Ruth and Naomi would be well looked after, despite being widows. I want us to think, and I want us to stop, and think about Boaz for a second, and how God used Boaz throughout this narrative to not necessarily show Boaz's kindness, uh, he certainly does that, but also how God had shown his kindness um, through his people to others. Boaz said in verse 12, May the Lord richly bless you, and may you have refuge under his wings. And God is answering this blessing of Boaz through Boaz, one of his people. And I want us to stop and think how this might apply to us. How God shows his kindness not necessarily always in supernatural ways. He certainly does that. But he will also show his kindness through ordinary means. And God is going to show His kindness to others through us, through His people. He is going to use us to show His kindness to others. And not just to those who look like us and sound like us, but to different types of people, to all types of people. But we may ask ourselves at this point, how? How are we meant to be like Boaz? 
How are we meant to show kindness to someone who is different? Oh, friends, we are able to show kindness because of the kindness first shown in us, but also of the kindness that is at work in us. I want us to come back to our New Testament reading, which David read for us out earlier, from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. I'm going to read that out for us again. Where Paul says, Therefore remember that you formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Are we are able. We are able to show kindness because of the kindness first shown to us. The kindness shown to us by the Lord Jesus. And this kindness is still at work in us. Not only were we brought to the table, but Christ empowered us to be able to show kindness to others. We look and read in our passage that He lives in us by His Spirit. So while we were foreigners, while we were strangers, Christ brought us near. He brought us near through what He did for us on the cross. How He bore our pain, our punishment, and He brought us into right relationship with God the Father. We are united to Christ by His work. And Christ does not only just unite us to Himself, but as he is our head, he unites us, the body, to one another. Christ has given to us a church. When Christ brought us to himself, he brought us to the church that we might not be Christians who are doing faith in our isolation, but faith in doing it together as part of his household. If you have, through Christ's work, you have, through Christ's work, been welcomed in, and been made part of his household, been made part of his body. So let's think. Let's think how we can leave today. 
how we can leave our service today showing kindness to others. For the kindness that was shown to us, but also of the kindness that is at work in us. Uh, there will be people that we will rub shoulders with each and every day. In our family, in our school, in our workplace. How can we show kindness towards them? And there may be even people in this church that are very different to us. That we may even find it difficult to be kind towards. I hear from our passage, we are being encouraged to show kindness to those who are different. Show kindness to the one who looks foreign and out of place. And show even exceptional kindness towards them. Why? Because Christ was first kind to us. Because of the kindness that is still at work in us. He was kind. Christ was kind to all those who were far off. And also, we aren't Christian. We aren't also to just show kindness to those we perceive as different. But we are also to think about who we can show kindness towards those who perceive themselves as different. To those who perceive themselves as different. There may be many here in our church who feel that they have been here, coming here to this church for months, maybe even years, but they still feel on the outside. They still feel like a foreigner or a stranger. They may still feel like when they enter through our doors that they are different to those around us. So think and pray today. How can you welcome the foreigner or the stranger, whether they have been here for a few weeks or even many years? And what about the person? What about the person who feels like they are the other? that they feel like they are the stranger or the foreigner, that they have been here for many months or even years, yet they feel like they are the odd one out. Well, if this is you, if this is you, why not look for the others who are feeling also a bit odd and left out? Why not go to them? Why not make them a cup of tea after the service and start the process of getting to know them? We had the opportunity right before I got up here to be able to greet those around you. You've said hello already. Why not continue the conversation after church? Uh, most weeks we have 150 people who will come through those doors. They will come through those doors on any given Sunday. Who can you be kind to this Sunday? Who is the new person that you can get to know? Who is the person that is looking a little alone today? Why not make them a cup of tea? Get to know them a little better. Our church should not be a place where someone walks in through our doors, where they are feeling a little awkward, where they are perhaps wearing those shabby shorts, a ripped t-shirt, those thongs. They, are not made, they, were, they did not come here to be shunned. We shouldn't shun them, but show them kindness, love, and make them feel welcome. Church should be a place where the stranger and the foreigner should be made to feel welcomed. Church is a place where Christ has saved and rescued the stranger, where he has saved and rescued the foreigner, and he has given them a place to call home. He has saved them, and he has brought them into his household. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
Uh, Lord, we want to thank you for the work of Christ. Lord, that through his work, through his sacrifice, through the shedding of his blood, those that were near and those that were far off were brought near. Uh, they were brought into right relationship with you. Our Father, we thank you for how this grace and this mercy has extended to each of us who know you and call you Father. Our Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be empowered by the work that is in us to show kindness to the stranger and the foreigner. Our church should be a place where one is not shunned, but is welcomed. Father, help us to do this, for it can be hard to do it. So we pray, Holy Spirit, be at work in us. Help us to love and help us to be kind. For Christ's sake and for his glory. Amen.